Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, come on, LifePoint. Can we give God a shout of praise in this place? Oh, come on. That was weak. Can we lift up his name in this place this morning? That's what I'm talking about. I love you guys. Welcome to LifePoint Church, to all of our friends and family. And if you're a guest with us today, can I just say thank you so much for choosing to worship with us. We know there's a lot of other places that you could be, and you chose to invest your morning, maybe even have your family here with us. So we do not, we do not take that for granted. Thank you so much for being here. We love, we hope that you feel at home. We hope our team has welcomed you with open arms, and we hope to get to meet you and know you. And if we've never met, my name is Andrew Garcia. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at LifePoint Church, and please do me a favor. If you haven't heard our senior pastor speak, Danny Rivers, you need, to, you need to come back. Like, you have to come back and hear our pastor. He's an incredible communicator. He's such a gifted man of God, and um, we want you guys to be able to experience his love, his authenticity, so come back. And what's crazy is, you might not know this, but LifePoint is approaching 15 years of existence this year. That's kind of a big deal, man. Uh, And I'm not sure about you, but I'm so very grateful for God's expression of love within this church, this community, fostered by our incredible pastors, Danny and Rachel Rivers. And for those of you who call this house home, who call Pastor Danny and Rachel your pastors, um, would you just honor them with me for their sacrifice and commitment to God in this community of faith? Today, uh, I'm going to encourage you to just express your appreciation to them. We've got cards that are going to be out in the lobby. Um, they're celebrating, they actually just celebrated this last week, 25 years of marriage, uh, which is a big deal. And then 15 years of pastoral care here for this church community. So let's just rally around our pastors and celebrate them. Let them know that their sacrifice hasn't gone unnoticed. Again, write them a thank you card um, out there and please leave it with us so we can give that to them. And then for those of you who'd like to give them a financial gift, some people like to do that. No pressure at all. They didn't know we were doing this for them today. Um, There's a a tab for a pastor appreciation and you could just give to them there. Um, But let's support and encourage our pastors for all they do and the sacrifices that they're made. Do you guys love your pastors? Come on. Now, today we're going to be wrapping up our series, The Lord Bless You. And if you've missed any part of this series, please go back, check it out, SoundCloud, iTunes, podcast, YouTube, whatever, iTunes and podcast, the same thing, but you didn't know that until I said it. Over the last several weeks, we have been building a foundation, building on the foundation that to be blessed is to be in harmonious relationship with God who wants to do good in us, to us, and through us. To be blessed is to be in a harmonious relationship with God who wants to do good in us, to us, and through us. In other words, the Lord's blessing to us means that we have to discover his blessing, receive his blessing, and then be the blessing to the world around us. And so what we walked through over the last several weeks, in week one, we uncovered that God actually wants to bless us. Like, I know that might seem either obvious or unbelievable, but we walked through this foundational truth. And then in week two, we uncovered the intersection between blessing and purpose. 
that blessing is inextricably tied, intertwined with purpose, that it's impossible to truly bless unless we are doing what God has created, brought us into this world to do, which brought us to week three, that we are agents of change in the world, that we are a people who receive God's blessing to be a blessing to the world around. And so today we want to tie off this series by learning to get a grasp on gratitude. Believe it or not, gratitude is the final key to looking, to believing, to living out a blessed life. Like I remember growing up, and, and maybe you do too, remember, usually it was like grandma, maybe even mom, right? Remember to count your blessings. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody get that? Like it was more like a scold? Count your blessings, at least for me, because I was a selfish child. But some of you were too, so. <laughs> Meaning, be grateful. Be thankful for what it is that you have. But there's a catch. We have to be able to see our blessings in order to count our blessings. And often, we miss what we should see because of what we do see. Okay, indulge me for a moment. I wanna play a video, and you're gonna see a group of people passing around a basketball, and I want you to count the amount of times that the ball is passed. So lean in, pay attention. Are you good? Clear instructions? Okay, here we go. This is an awareness test. How many passes does the team in white make? The answer is 13. But did you see the moonwalking bear? How many of you saw the dancing bear the first time? Remember, liars go to hell, so don't raise your hand unless you saw it. Now catch this. This video was produced as a result of a research project conducted by a cognitive psychologist, Daniel Simmons. Now, Simmons was investigating a phenomenon called sustained unintentional blindness. Sustained unintentional blindness. And one of the things that he learned is that we only see what we focus on. In other words, that seeing is actually a very difficult activity. We have to choose to see. We have to be deliberate to see. We have to pay attention to see. And it's silly. But I think this is actually how a lot of us experience God and his blessings in and on our lives. You see, so many of us are focused on what we're told, what, what we should see, on what's obvious to see, but to be a blessed person is to practice the discipline of counting the blessings we've already received. This is how we learn to get a grasp on gratitude. We have to see the blessings that we already have and then be grateful for them. Like, I remember when I was a kid one Christmas, and we opened up Christmas on Christmas Eve because that's the best way to open up gifts. God bless but once I was done with my gifts, I took a look around the room and I said, but hey, 
where's the next one? <laughs> like, forget what you've already given me to keep me happy. I need more. Now, you'd think, you'd think that as adults, we would learn to grow out of this. But the truth is, we just get better at masking it, at masking our ingratitude to ourselves and to others. We use passive words and conjure up self-centered thoughts and fancy phrases to cover up the greed of our own heart. We don't focus on what it is we already have, but what we feel we deserve. Missing out on all the good that's around us, we keep trying to acquire more, make more, 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 because quite honestly, more is more. <laughs> Failures. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You are loved. But grasping gratitude is learning, learning to be intentional to count the blessings that God has already given us. And it's so hard because there are so many things that are distracting us, so many things that are standing in the way in front of the blessings that we've already been given. And it's almost like God knew that this would happen. So much so that he sent down himself through his son Jesus to give us somebody to put our focus on, to give us someone to see, to focus on and understand who God is and what he wants from and for our lives. But what we often struggle with is our capacity to see. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 13. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and I would heal them, but blessed. Blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. Do you have any idea how often I've read this verse and I've missed what Jesus is saying here to us? You see, Jesus, when asked why he spoke in parables, why he gave so many parables replies, I want to reveal the truth to those who are really paying attention. I want to bring life to those who really want to have it, to the heart that desires to have life and life abundant, they can grasp it. You see, we can be blessed and never see it. We can be blessed and never be willing to hear it. We can be blessed and never actually experience it because being blessed begins as an internal condition, a belief of the heart. And we foster blessedness through our eyes and ears, when our hearts realize what it is that God has done for us. Jesus, the true life that so many of us are looking for, yearning for, and hoping for. We have to start with our heart before we can understand or see with our head. We have to learn to focus on the blessings that we already have in order to embrace a state of blessedness that opens up our world to see God moving and active everywhere within our lives. You see, we've talked about this before, that discontentment is the sin of looking over God's goodness on your life. 
God's blessing on our life. A posture of blessing is anchored in a heart of gratitude that sees what God has done. And this is why Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, he's connecting several really big ideas together that he's going to walk us through that remind us to live in a place of contentment and peace, what I would call blessing. Look what he says in his letter. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. He says here, if you want to experience a peace that transcends human understanding, you don't just tell God what you need, you thank him for it at the same time for what you already have. Okay, he's challenging our thinking a little bit. He's offering a new way for us to step into thanksgiving, into prayer with God. Watch as he continues. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Paul's telling us, focus on the good things. Focus on the blessing. You may be facing concerning things. You may be facing things that you actually need him to show up in. That's okay, right? It's okay for you to pray and to ask, but make sure that you're keeping in mind what he's already given you at the same time. It's like he's saying, ask for blessings, but only ask for blessings when you're focused on the blessings you already have. We tracking? because he's going to dig deeper. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned, learned how to get along happily, whether I have much or little. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of contentment in every situation, whether it be a full stomach or hunger, plenty or want. For I can do everything God asked me to do with the help of Christ who gives me the strength and power. This is the secret to deep contentment. This centers us on our blessed state. I don't worry, but I do pray. I pray for the things I need while I'm counting my blessings. I focus on the good things in my life and the world around me. And when I do, when I keep my heart anchored on God, I feel contentment and know that no matter what I face, I can do anything through Christ who gives me strength. The blessed, the blessed life, it's not about denying ourselves of what we desire. It's anchoring ourselves on what we have, on what God has already generously gifted us with. It's not to take away from me, but to remind me, God has never failed my needs. He has never ignored my heart, but has shown up and shown off time and time and time and time and time again. And what we can't misunderstand, God's not telling us that we need to be thankful for every circumstance. We're not commanded to be thankful for the evil things that we go through, for the damage that is done to us, for the hurt that we are put through, for the things that throw us through the ringer. Rather, for us to remember that in all things, God can work all things out for our good. 
that we can be thankful in circumstances that we're not necessarily thankful for. But everything, everything hinges on what we focus on with the eyes of our heart. We have to learn to count our blessings in every season, through every circumstance. And it's such a simple message. But we have to learn that we can count our blessings even when things are going great. And that seems like, well, hello, obvious. Like, of course, I'm going to be grateful when my life is on the up and up, when things are going really, really well. Except have you noticed that when my life is full of blessing, I don't actually sit and soak up my blessing. I'm ready for the next one. We crave what's next. We're looking to experience the next thing, thinking about what I want or need next rather than just soaking in the goodness that, of the blessing God has already given us. And, and there's a crazy story in Luke chapter 17 of Jesus and the 10 lepers. And it says, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice, threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Then Jesus asked the obvious question. Where are the other nine? I, th I thought there were 10 of you that were healed. I thought 10 of you received blessing from me. And yet there's only one here who's come back to express gratitude. Even though the other nine have been miraculously healed from a, a disease that disfigures them, that tears apart their social infrastructure, that's contagious. They were healed and immediately moved on to the next thing. Only one person stopped and looked at God and said, Lord, thank you. And can we be honest? How often am I? How often are we like the nine rather than the one? I receive something wonderful from God. Someone does something wonderful for me. And yet I quickly move on to the next thing. We have to frequently remind ourselves how important it is to practice gratitude for what we already have and what we have been given. God desires, it is his heart to bless us. But if we have our focus constantly on future blessings, even promised blessings that we're looking for, searching for, we can miss out on the beauty of the already and the present. God wants us to learn to be thankful for what he has already done because once we lose heart of who he is, we stop seeing, hearing, and realizing that we are already experiencing his blessing in our lives. I think that God wants us to practice gratitude not only because it's the right thing to do, it's also the best thing to do to connect us with our state of blessing. God wants us to be happy. He wants us to enjoy our lives. He wants us to focus on the blessings that he's given us because when we learn to focus on what he's given us, we simply enjoy more of our lives. Robert A. Emmons, a University of Southern California professor, does this amazing work on the science of gratitude. And his, his findings reveal what the Bible has been spewing for years, thousands of years, the importance and the advantages of gratitude. And he writes that research reflects that blessings multiply, multiply when we learn to count our blessings. There is literally scientific proof 
that when people regularly engage in systemic cultivation of gratitude, they experience a variety of measurable benefits, meaning you can chart it. These benefits include higher levels of positive emotions, such as joy, enthusiasm, love, happiness, and optimism, and higher levels of protection from the destructive impulses of envy, resentment, greed, and bitterness. And then further, he explains that those who are disciplined in practicing gratitude find themselves more relieved, find themselves, it, it actually aids in healing from recovery and sickness. It supports us physically. Our physical health increases. It enhances our capacity to have healthy whole relationships. He sums it up this way. Gratitude we have found maximizes the enjoyment of the good, our enjoyment of others, of God, and of our lives. Literally, when we, when we practice gratitude, our mind is, gets bathed in chemicals, positive emotions that not only make us feel good, but dial up our capacity to learn. Consequently, we think more quickly, more creatively. We become more skilled at solving complex problems and analysis. We invent new ways of doing things. When we learn to see our blessings, when we learn to count our blessings, when we learn to name our blessings, we literally experience higher levels of happiness within our present reality and can see further into our future with clearer eyes. When we're happy, literally, we physically see more of what's around us. We're more hopeful no matter what comes our way. Which means that if we believe we are blessed, we can count our blessings even when life happens. Because how many of you guys know there are all sorts of junk that happens in life? Didn't get that promotion. Someone you rely on quits gets a different job. You're battling a chronic but treatable illness. A job description changes because of movement within the industry. It makes you uncomfortable. Someone hits your car. The worst possible thing. Idiots. Unless you hit the car, then it's like you just had a bad day. <laughs> there are those seasons when it feels like the sky is falling when it just seems like you're spinning your wheels, you keep moving forward, but it feels like every step is a fight. Then there's the big stuff that happens in life. The diagnosis that shakes up our world. Experiences that shatter our hope. Relationships. Relationships that make us question the air that we breathe. We face challenges from the outside. We face challenges on the inside. We face challenges from people, some intentional, some unintentional. We face off against spiritual enemies. Stuff in life happens. And even in the midst of that, we can count our blessings. In life, distractions will come. They will happen. But where we anchor our, anchor our hope, where we hold our attention, matters and we can keep a firm hand on Jesus if we would learn to, to take a grasp on gratitude and believe in the blessing of God on and in our life 
We have to count our blessings even when darkness appears to be winning. There's this story in John 11 that shakes me up a lot. It's the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, and this is what it says. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one that you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, Jesus said, he's proclaiming a word. This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister in Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he left right away and went to him. You'd think that would have been the response. Clearly Jesus loves them. And yet for some reason, he stayed where he was two days more. This is fascinating to me. Mary and Martha get a message to Jesus. Honestly, this is a prayer, a cry for help. And we read, Jesus really loved them. And yet, he waited. This illustrates such a very profound point to me that sometimes because God loves us, he waits. Sometimes because God loves you, he's waiting. He doesn't do what we think he should do when we think that he should do it. He's not operating off of our time, our desires, our wants. He knows the future that he's trying to take us to. He knows how we need to get there. He knows what he's trying to pull out of our life because he created it. He designed it. Sometimes we are sad and desperate and even angry about being, about some desperate thing but God sees into our future and knows that something better is coming if we could just learn to get through, to walk through the darkness. And we send him messages. We pray, Lord, I lost my job. I need a new one now. Lord, I got this diagnosis. I need healing now. Lord, my marriage is on the rocks. I need you to fix it now. And we wonder why we are waiting. And it's because God is waiting for our benefit to work something out that we could not possibly comprehend. And what is both encouraging and honestly, it just makes me sick to my stomach is even though Jesus says this sickness will not end in death, Lazarus dies. The boy's stone cold. They bury him. The dream is dead. How many times have you heard a word from God, a promise that you believe he has given you for your life and you're anxiously awaiting the promise? You want to see it make itself known and it seems that the thing that you're waiting for dies. You thought that God said start that business and it does not seem to take off the ground. You thought that God said, take that trip, go there, and nothing happened. Money wasted, time spent. You, got, you thought that God said, I have a plan for your life. 
I have a plan for the pain. I have a plan for that relationship. And you're looking at what you're holding in your head and in your hands, and it's ashes. There's no life. But God, I've been faithful. God, I've been faithful to your word. I've done what is right. I've done what I thought you wanted for me. I'm trying to live in a way that honors you and nothing but pain seems to keep coming. I've been faithfully waiting, faithfully pursuing, faithfully trusting for that one special person to love. I've lived my life with integrity. I've been faithful to my future spouse and yet nothing seems to click. I can't find love. Lord, the word from the Lord seems to shake us and rattle us when it doesn't come to pass, doesn't it? Like, wait a minute, then we start to question, did God actually even speak to me? Did he even, does he even actually care about me? Does he really love me? I thought things were moving in the right direction. I thought things were coming together so well. Or maybe it wasn't coming together well, but at least it wasn't dead. And here you are staring at a dead promise, a promise that was supposed to bring you life. God, where are you? And where is your blessing? And where is your love for me? And Jesus finally shows up. Lazarus had been dead for four days. And Jesus strikes up a conversation with Martha and asks her whether or not she believes in him. And this is what she says. Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And the word belief here simply means that a better word is to trust. To believe in someone is more than just believing that they exist. It's to trust in who they are, what they say they will do, that they will bring it about, which brings us to another important truth that sometimes God waits, holds back blessing because he wants us to learn to fully trust him. He wants us to learn what it looks like, what it means to fully trust him. Will we remain grateful even when our dreams appear dead? Even when a negative situation appears to get worse? Even while our prayers appear to not go answered? Will we show God that we trust him? Because did you know gratitude? Gratitude shows that we know that he will come through on our behalf through every circumstance. Gratitude says, I trust you because you have before and you will do it again. And what, what's so crazy about this story What's perplexing is that Jesus, even though he knows that Lazarus is coming back from the dead, it says that Jesus wept. Jesus entered into Mary and Martha's pain and suffering with them. Even though he knew that hope was coming, he felt what they felt. He was standing there with them. He didn't demand them to stop crying, to not feel he doesn't stop their pain. Instead, he weeps with them. One translation says that he bawls, grieving, break down. Have you ever cried so hard that you, there are no words you can say? You can barely, there's nothing that comes out. You just weep. Even though he knew the story would end well, he felt their pain and he feels ours. And God's word tells us that he empathizes with us in our weakness. And I realized something this weekend, and it's not an epiphany. If you've lived long at all, you know this is true, but it seems that only in our pain are we reminded of the reality of how much we take for granted. 
We just kind of expect things to be what they are because they always have been. And it's only in loss that we're woken up to the fact that we don't count our blessings. We crave the next one. Right? And God's, God's not up there trying to take things away from us to teach us a lesson. That would be cruel. What we need to understand is that loss has a part to play in reminding us what to cherish, to cherish what it is that we have. Pain has a way of helping us put into perspective the good things that are already in our life. Loss, pain, death help us realize the blessings that we've already been given and remind, at least for me, that God has my life in his hands. Through and through, from beginning to end, God has me. God has you. What he has spoken will come to pass, even though it's dead. Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Most of the dark things I have dealt with in my life have been resolved when I have continued to trust God no matter what. A prayer so powerfully answered, a need so profoundly met that it felt as if something has come back to life again. But then there are things that I face where even though I know he's with me, that he cares for me, for some reason I'm still waiting. I'm left to trust him, to practice gratitude in a situation where it feels like the darkness is winning. This series is meant to remind us that regardless of our circumstances, even when it seems like darkness is winning, God is at work and he is doing good in you, to you, and through you in ways bigger than you can ever imagine. And if you're walking in darkness, don't give up. The light is coming. C.S. Lewis wrote about the good that would not exist except for the darkness. And look, listen to what he says. C.S. Lewis said that in every human story, as in divine history, there are two catastrophes. The first is utter ruin. The catastrophe of disintegration, undoing, the end of life as we know it. Light extinguished and death's dark triumph, the crucifixion. The second is the good catastrophe, the reintegrating, the remaking, new hope rising out of the ashes, the good that would otherwise not be the resurrection. This seems to be the pattern of life with God, that from death, he brings life, that what is buried will break through, that the seed that is put in the dirt will push its way through the weight to find the light. If you look back on your life, how many times, how many stories do you have where you had to fight your way through? And guess what? You're here today. God showed up. He came through on your behalf. We have learned in our moments of death, it is not the end. God's word has the final say and his presence will continue to provide and give us peace in ways that we could not understand or explain. And so whether on the mountaintop or the valley low, we gotta learn to be thankful in every circumstance. We must not allow the challenges that we face in our lives to detract us, to distract us from seeing our blessing. Count your blessings, name them one by one. And I will assure you that you will have more and more blessings to count in the future to come. Grasp gratitude by counting your blessings when the good times roll, when life happens 
And when darkness seems to be winning, God is not done. Let me pray over us. Heavenly Father, we just come before you, God, in this place. And God, through this series, you have been trying, God, to remind us we are your children. You have us in your hand. You care for us. You love us. You want more for our life. We are blessed because you are just lavishing your blessing on us. And so, God, I ask that for those in this room, God, who have been following you, God, for a long time, but life has a way of distracting us from your goodness, your presence, that you would reignite something in our heart to recognize that you are at work, that you have been moving, that you are still present, that you have never left us nor forsaken us. You are right by our side trying to lead us by the hand. And God, for those of us in this space who have never said yes to following you, but we are looking, searching, hungry for life and life abundant. God, in this moment, you are trying to tell us that life only comes through Jesus, his word, his way, his truth. His life has something to say about how we should live ours. And God, I ask that we would take a look towards Jesus to begin to follow him, to walk it out day by day, moment by moment, breath by breath. Help us, God, to recognize that you are moving, speaking, breathing to us. You have designed and created us for purpose, for blessing, for purpose, for people. Help us, God, to walk with a heart of gratitude. In your name we pray, amen. Can we give it up for him in this place? Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.